Just before we get started, I want to share with you one of our sponsors and a secret to our success. I don't know about you, but I got into commercial property to build a more passive income. But how do you manage multiple clients and contracts in multiple buildings without spending all of your time on endless spreadsheets? After a lot of research, we use Office R&D, the best flexible workspace software to manage our CMO buildings, co-working and flexspace. For starters, the automated bill run saves hours of work and means we don't miss any revenue. Plus, I can get many reports on the performance of each product and location. But here's the real clincher. We all need to focus on customers more and our clients can now use our app to access buildings, book meeting rooms, review their invoices. And there's a great feature where they can interact with our member community. And this is all managed from within the Office R&D platform. There's a partner link in the show notes so you can book a demo. Take a look, see how the system can improve your operations and customer experience. Right, make yourself comfortable. Let's get on with today's show. 100% occupancy is not always the best. There is a purple patch beyond 100% occupancy where your pricing, your churn rate and your net income all work at optimal levels. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor podcast and to our shorter, more pointed Monday episodes. Thanks for tuning in. And in return, I want to make sure that you get a good mixture of content, including those stories and experiences from other investors who have been out there, walked their own path, and are happy to share some of the lessons they learned along the way. Plus, I want to give some useful data or tips for you to use in your own property business. So to that end today, I want to help fill in some of the gaps about occupancy levels for commercial CMO space or commercial multiple occupancy space. Investors are often seeking guidance around what they should expect for occupancy levels and in particular with flexible spaces. This is for when they're trying to price up a project, looking at all the numbers, doing the due diligence and saying, well, look, what occupancy should I expect? And it's often one of the key points that valuers hang their hat on. Commercial valuers often say you can't guarantee occupancy past the length of a standard 12-month licence and therefore doesn't present much value. But as I mentioned during my recent review of the Flexa conference in a podcast just a couple of weeks ago, the same valuer will give a healthy valuation multiple for a hotel, which only lets rooms by the night, not by the year. But that industry, the hotel industry, has so much more data than we have. See, the challenge is the data and statistics from the flexible space industry is simply not readily available, which is a bit of a pain. However, for what it's worth, I took it upon myself to research our own, and I can tell you two gauges. We've used lots of systems over the years, from simple Excel spreadsheets to industry-specific software and accounting software. And when you change those, often the data gets left behind. I had to go through lots of records and different places I could find data and individually record over 600 data points to pull all this information together. I didn't just do it for you guys, I also did it for ourselves in our own business because I thought, well, we've got this stuff there somewhere, we just have to pull it together. So I finally got around to doing it and it took me ages. So basically what I worked out was the occupancy for each and every one of our locations every month for up to 14 years. Now, we haven't had all of our locations for 14 years, of course, so one of them went back, two of them, I think, went back 14 years. The others reduced depending on when we bought them. Now, one of the important questions I get asked is, 
what projected occupancy number should I use when doing my analysis for a potential building? And that will depend on lots of factors, of course, but I can at least give you our numbers. And as usual, this is our history and not necessarily what you'll experience, but at least it's something, right? Here are the headlines in terms of our occupancy numbers over the years. I'm just going to give you a few different um, points, I guess. First of all, though, let me just give you some parameters around how that data is formed. So I've only put numbers in for space that was refurbished and ready to go. Some buildings, of course, when we bought them and they were totally unoccupied, would have registered 0%. I've not counted that. When a phase was ready, then I've counted it as 100%. And when two phases are ready, I've counted that as the 100%, if that makes sense. So as each project has been developed out and space becomes available, that's when I've included it in these numbers. I could only get an average of six data points per location per year before 2014. So that's the period from 2011 to 2030. So I'm just basically giving you a small print here, right? I couldn't get all of that data in those first three years. And I've gone without saying, um, sorry, without recording 0% occupancy when buildings are not even ready. It's from when they're ready. So overall, after 14 years of data, we maintained an average of 93.55% occupancy across all six sites. So basically, high years, low years, good years, bad years, the average over all of the data is 93.55%. So I think it's actually quite good. Now, the longest we've held a commercial property, and, and we still own it, by the way, is actually 19 years. But as I said, we've only got data for 14 years. And the average for that property, our most mature property, is 93.5%, funnily enough. <laughs> the worst performing location was 90% occupancy as an average over 10 years. Another good number to know. The best was 97.7% over five years, or 997 for another location over the last three to four years. So, interesting different pinpoints. The worst single month of occupancy for any location after it was fully developed was 70.27%, which was in August 2016. I haven't looked back to see why. I suspect we probably had one or two large clients moving out with drop occupancy and then we had to build it back up again. Now, here's an interesting one. Which do you think would have been the worst year right across the portfolio of our flex space, that is? Do you think it would have been 2011, the first year really I've got this data from because it was just after the recession? Nope, that was 91.5%. What about... 2020 and 2021, the years of the pandemic lockdowns. Nope, that was 93% and 94% respectively. It was actually 2018, where our average for that year was 90%. And the best was actually last year, 2022, at 97%. Go figure. Going forward, it is super important for you to gather data as well. And it will really help you with future calculations 
and the ever-important revaluation. So I would suggest that if you are recording this data, or indeed if you've got a spreadsheet somewhere, make sure you're keeping it for the long term because this data might come in useful later. I know this is going to help me as we go through a refinance right now. Another frequently asked question though is, what is the average length of stay? Now, I guess that is secondary to the numbers I've just gone through because that's more fundamental. 93.55% over 14 years. That's a good number to know. And also what the low point was, 70% for one, just in one month that was, by the way. And actually the worst year was 90% for one location. So interesting little numbers. But another frequently asked question, as I say, is what is the average length of stay? Now, that is a number I can't give you right now. It would require even more work to individually work out every customer occupancy from my rudimentary details over the last 20 odd years. I, can't, I haven't been able to do that. But anecdotally, what I can tell you is that with over 300 odd customers, the churn rate across everything, this is including business lounge memberships, which you can start and cancel within a month, is around six per month, our churn rate. So we might have a couple of business lounge members moving on to do something else. We might have a container back or an office or something. This is just everything. Which would actually equate to around about just over 20% in a year. But in terms of private office space, on mature sites, that rate drops to well below 20%. The observation that I would make is that data from mature locations will make much more sense. There's no point looking at a location that's only been on for 12 months because guess what the average length of stay is going to be? It can't be any more than 12 months, can it? And the longer stay clients, obviously, by default, those longer stay clients are going to be replacing shorter term clients. So as your site becomes more and more mature, mature, sorry, you end up with longer staying clients. So it's not always easy, especially as you're growing, to say, oh, yeah, here's our average um, length of stay because some of your sites have not been going for that long. But we have had clients that have been with us for well over 10 years. So here's a reminder. 100% occupancy is not always the best. I did this in a podcast before. There is a purple patch beyond 100% occupancy where your pricing, your churn rate, and your net income all work at optimal levels. This is where you've gone through 100% occupancy for a while, and you've changed your pricing, you've changed your offer to get the best optimum value you can out of your building. So as I say, that's that crossing point of your pricing, your churn rate, and your net income all at optimal levels. Now the industry, going back to the original question of what should I plan for when I'm doing my numbers, the industry would suggest, it seems, that 85% is the average occupancy. Now, when I'm doing my numbers, I usually work with a model of about 80% occupancy, with a worst case scenario of maybe 60%. Now, I do obviously do a good case scenario of 93.55 or 95%, but I generally work with 80%. And just to throw it in there, I also model my pricing for new sites at the average of the competition in the surrounding area if I'm specking a quality offer. It does depend on what you're putting in there, right? If you spotted the gap is actually at the lower end, well, then that's not really going to work. Is it? 
Okay, I hope that gives you some confidence in the flexible model and also some numbers you can use. Now, the small print I have to remind you is that this is me reflecting on our numbers. It could be completely different for you. Nevertheless, I think they should help. All right, this is the kind of stuff we discuss with our CPI network members all the time. And isn't it about time you thought about joining us? We have an awesome quarterly meetup on the 26th of this month, that's June, with lots of topics, topics, lots of topics being covered, including apart hotels, market conditions, a finance update, how to find customers, how to work with commercial agents, from a commercial agent, to find great properties, a tour and update of our most recent redevelopment and a number of CPI member case studies. So why not get involved and learn on the fast track? Look in the show notes for details to, of our getting the swim membership or advanced mastermind. And I look forward to meeting you very soon. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.